Amen. Well, did you bring your Bibles? Amen. Are you ready? Come on, let's make our declaration. David, help me out, my friend. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, I thank you this morning for your word that is alive, active, and energized with your very life. You and your word are one. And when we receive your word, we receive you, all that you are, and all that you do is deposited on the inside of us. So today, we thank you that by your spirit, you will give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive, and will be changed by the truth of your word in Jesus' name. And somebody said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, how many know what last week was? Resurrection, Easter Sunday. I, I, I think we ought to go on a mission just to ban the word Easter myself. But that's just me personally. Probably won't get much traction, but praise the Lord. Amen. But anyway, because it's not about Easter, it's about resurrection. That's what we celebrate. And that, and, and just that subtlety is part of what I kind of want to attack this morning. Because through the process of time, man continually changes a little bit. A little bit of this changes, a little bit of that changes, a little bit of that changes. Pretty soon we don't recognize who we are and what we're supposed to be. So sometime we just need to go back and start over. Praise the Lord. So that would be a good thing. But I've, it won't get much traction like I said. But the part of it is, is that Jesus came for a purpose. He fulfilled that purpose. And then this morning I want to talk to you about what's next. What happens now after that? And so you get a great blessing because in all my preparation, I forgot to give this to the media team for first service so they didn't get this. So you get to see the intro video. Last Sunday was a party. Last Sunday was a celebration. Last Sunday, we joined together and witnessed the most important event in human history. The resurrection of Jesus. The conquering of the grave. The redemption of creation. But what happens this week is no less amazing. Jesus didn't just rise and ascend. He didn't just come back for the celebration. He came back with a message. He came back with marching orders. He came back to say, now it's your turn. I have done my part in bringing the kingdom, but just as God sent me, now I am sending you. So go, everywhere, make disciples, baptize them, teach them. Life will still be tough, maybe tougher, but know that through all of this, the trials and the joy, the tears and the laughter, I am with you, always to the very end. Yeah, go ahead, clap. Give them a good praise. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Well, I guess you got an idea of what I'm going to preach on. Yeah. Amen. What's next? The reality is, is that I've been touched. Some of you probably would agree. Pastor, we know you're touched. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But we're touched by the Lord, and the question is, what's next after that? After we encountered Jesus, what followed the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ was the Great Commission. The Lord turned things over to His disciples, over to you and me. He fulfilled all that. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Mark chapter 5 this morning. And I just, I don't have time to read the whole account of the man from the tomb of Gadara where Jesus with the disciples, they're ministering, they cross over the sea, they come into the region of the Gadarene, and there they're met by a man who's demon-possessed by a legion of demons, over just thousands of demons that he has on the inside of him and in that area the the uh, the the uh, he delivers that man he set free uh 
pork futures crash because all the pigs run off the hill and that. So it kind of shakes up the economy for a season and that. But then you get to the end of the account and here's this man sitting in his right mind with Jesus and the disciples and the townspeople come out and they see him and they're afraid and they bid Jesus to leave. So you look at Matthew chapter 5 and look down if you would beginning in verse 18 and uh, it, uh, they're, they're, verse 17, they're pleading with Jesus to leave. In verse 18, and when he got in the boat, he who had been. Somebody say, had been. How many are thankful for the had been of your life since you met Jesus? I look back, man, there are some had beens that I'm thankful have gone. Praise the Lord. Amen. So he said, and when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. I mean, it just would have been cool to hang out with Jesus all the time. Just You and me, Jesus, we're bros, we're hanging. I'm going to be with you all the time. I just want to be with you, be with you, be with you, be with you. Amen. I love you, love you, love you. He, Jesus goes, uh, that's nice, but no. <laughs> However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. How he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis, the region of ten cities, all that Jesus has done for him. And all marveled. Or he went out. When it says all marveled, he didn't just tell a few. He began to tell everybody what great things God has done for you. So the question is morning. After an encounter with Jesus, what's next? Many times we think, well, I, I'm just going to hang out. I'm just going to just do Christian stuff, just be with the Lord. The Lord says, no, you don't just get to hang out with me. I need you to go. And that's literally what he said to his disciples. Now that you're here, he said, the same way the Father sent me, I'm now sending you. And if you read, we, for time's sake, we won't read it this morning. If you go to Mark chapter 6 and beginning there in verse 53, you'll find that when Jesus comes back into this region, the same people who had told him to leave are now thronging to him and bringing out people, laying them in the marketplaces and begging just to touch the hem of his garment that they might be healed. And it's all connected to one man being willing to go home and being willing to be sent to take the next step after an encounter with the Lord, and to just tell people what great things God has done for him. A couple weeks ago, I preached a message to you on the command, the cry, and the call. The command from above to go into all the world. The, the cry from hell that says, don't come here. And the call from afar, which is the Macedonian call, that, that is not where we expected to go or God would use us or send us. We had something else on our heart, somebody else we desired to read, but the Lord said, I'm not sending you there, I'm sending you over here. This is where I need you to go. And so in that, that's connected to our next in our life. So the question is, look at the cover of your outline with me. What's next? The reality is, is that Jesus came and did what he was sent to do. Now it's our turn to do what we are here to do. You are here right now, and God has something for you and I to do for Him. The message of the gospel is to reach the lost at any cost. The purpose of the church is, is not just to build up the believer. It is to build up the believer, but when I'm built out, it's so that I can be sent, and I will reach out and touch somebody else. I told the men Tuesday night at our discipleship class, have a dozen men, we're getting together, having a great time together. And this week will be our last class, and then in May we'll start up some more in that. But I said, hey guys, I, I'm here to invest in you, and I'm really pouring my heart. I'm believing God's going to raise up some great men. Amen? I said in first, I'm going to say it again. I'm so sick and tired of commercials that, that, that de, uh, the stripping the masculinity from our culture. I'm just frustrated by that. I hate commercials that make men look stupid. And the guys that are doing the commercial, I wish I could just go up to them and slap them. I don't care what they're paying. You, you can't pay me enough to act stupid. I do that for free every day. Amen. But anyway, when it comes to men, when it, when it comes to men and God raising up men, God always invests in men. He, he's always looking for a man. God's looking for a man to stand in the gap, to make up the head. He's calling men. He's calling them to be what He had created for them to be and to fulfill the purpose that He places on the inside of us. Are you with me? But I told the men, I said, I want to do these classes. I want to invest in you in discipleship. But I'm not here just to make you a spiritual tick. 
You know what ticks do? They latch on and suck the life out of you, and then when they swell up, they fall off and they get lay there. <laughs> Amen. So we're not spiritual tick. We're not just to get bloated with God and suck the life out. We're actually supposed to have purpose and accomplish purpose and bring increase to the kingdom. Could you say amen? So it's our turn to do what we're here to do. The message of the gospel is to reach the lost at any cost. The declaration of Resurrection Sunday is death is defeated, hell is defeated, sin is defeated, the penalty is paid, and the captives are free. That's what we celebrated, the victory that is ours in Christ. See, once you encounter the Christ of Calvary, the question will always be, what's next? Now that I'm saved, what's next? God has great things. Look at this guy, didn't even have a Bible. He had no Bible. He goes, well, I don't have a Bible. He didn't, probably didn't know any verses, do anything else. All he was told to do is, you've had an encounter with God, go tell somebody about what God has done in your life. Amen. So think about it. The disciples had to answer this question. We have to answer it too. Go with me in your Bibles to John chapter 21. This always amazes me. You know, I love, I love the supernatural. I love the power of God. I love the manifest power of God. I love when God shows up and does stuff that you go, what is that? I love that stuff, man. And, and, and I love seeing God manifest himself and do great things amongst his people. But this is what I've learned. It doesn't change anything. Really. I mean, God demonstrates and reveals himself to us. But think about the disciples. Here's the situation. They've just walked through three and a half years with the Lord. They've seen God do miracle after miracle after miracle in his son Christ. They've watched the power and the anointing of God manifest before them. They were there when he called Lazarus out of the tomb. They were there when he interrupted the funeral for, for the widow woman at Nain. They've seen God do amazing stuff, blind eyes, blind, open, open deaf ear. They've seen all these miracles. They gave out the bread and the the fish and multiply. They've seen amazing stuff. And they're still haven't got it. None of it has impressed them yet. Amen. So our heart has to be anchored in something else than just the stuff. We're still called to do the stuff. We're still called to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to do all the stuff. But I'm convinced the stuff doesn't make any difference because now as we get to chapter 21, the disciples are, are trying to figure out what's next in their life. And Jesus has already appeared to them twice in physical form after the resurrection. They're in the upper room. He walked into the room not using the door. Hey, guys, how's it going? Kind of afraid, huh? I mean, there they are. And it says he upbraids them in their unbelief, in their fear. And he comes in and says, hey, fear not. And Thomas, he goes, Thomas, come here, look. See the, 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 it, my hand and my feet. Stick your hand in here. It's me. Don't doubt. Believe. God, he's appeared to them twice. And we get to chapter 21. After these things, Jesus showed himself to them again. So this is the third time that he appears to them. But he's doing it now in Galilee. They've left Jerusalem. They've gone back to their hometown in Galilee, to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel of Cana of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of the disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, hey, I'm going fishing. What's next? I'm going back to what I've always done before. Three and a half years, resurrection, two appearances. I'm going back to what I've always done. That's my next. I'm going fishing. And they said, we're going with you. They went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. Everybody just look up here for a moment. It wasn't working before. It's not working now. When Jesus called Peter, Peter was in the boat trying to catch some fish, fished all night, and Jesus said, hey, let's go out and catch some fish. No, I fished. I'm a professional here. I know what I'm doing. It doesn't do any good to go out there. Jesus said, hey, throw your net on the other side of the boat anyway. So they catch some fish, bring back in, and he follows the Lord. Amen? And Jesus says, come and follow me. I will, you've caught fish, and you will now catch men. 
So he'd already been told God's purpose for his life. So here he is after the end of the ball, after God telling him everything, the Lord telling him everything. He just goes, I'm going to go back to fishing, and it's working as good as it was before. That's what we do. We have an encounter with God, and then we just go back to what we've done before, and we wonder why our Christianity doesn't have any vitality, because what was working before isn't going to work after your encounter. You're not supposed to go back to who you are, who you were. You're supposed to walk in who you are now in Christ. Amen. And so we have to face that ourselves. And then the Lord appears to them, and they catch some fish, and he brings them out. And then he actually says to Peter, Peter, this is what you're going to do. You're going to feed my lamb, you're going to tend my sheep, and you're going to feed my flock. That's your purpose. Fishing is not your purpose. Amen. And so he redirects Peter's life, and he puts him back on course for his neck. We must always remember that God does everything on purpose and for purpose. He goes to the tombs uh, and the wells of our world. He touches people, makes them whole, and then sends them into the harvest. These are the places of a divine encounter with God, and they are not to be avoided. Too many today, we want to avoid the tombs where the demonics are. We, not, we want to avoid the wells where the broken and the discarded are. And we want to avoid the places where, where, where the lost and the hurting are. But God says that's a place of healing and deliverance and divine encounter. Let me tell you, if you're here today and you know Christ, you did not just come to church and go to a nice meeting. You had an encounter with God. And more than likely, it was when you were in your place of brokenness. It was at the point when you really knew you needed a Savior. If you're here just doing God's stuff because you think it's the right thing to do and the right way to live, you need to understand you need a Savior. Because all of our righteousness is as filthy rag. The rich young ruler did that. He, like last week we illustrated that too. He thought he had it together. He had worked his way. He'd be accepted because of his character and who he was. None of, us, none of that qualifies us before God. Amen. It is what Christ has done and what he's done alone that makes us right. Amen. So the message of the gospel will always be to reach the lost at any cost. Look inside your outline. Our lives are never, will never have more meaning than when we are living to purpose. Anything in life that is not defined by purpose will end up empty and shallow with no true sense of fulfillment or lasting satisfaction connected to it. Nothing in this world will satisfy. Everything in this world is temporal, subject to change. I love what, 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 what I heard Robert Moore said this morning. See, we, we think we're natural people hearing spiritual truth. This book is a spiritual truth written to spiritual beings. We, are, we were created, man was created spiritual, fell, and became natural. Jesus died to give you back your spiritual life. And when you are saved, you are born again. Your spirit is made alive unto God. And now you're supposed to be living life by your spirit. That's why many people don't understand the book. Because this book is not written to natural people. It's written to spiritual people. And it's spiritually discerned. Are you with me? And so we approach life out of that manner. But if we don't understand that we have a spiritual purpose and we're just trying to fill the void of contentment in our life with stuff, every time you get something, though, you, you know, <laughs> most stuff you buy depreciates the minute you buy it. And when it gets so depreciated, we don't even want it anymore. We try to sell it to other people in our driveway. And then when they try to barter us down on the price of our junk, we act like it's the national treasure. Are you kidding? I'm standing on 75 cents. That's it. <laughs> Amen. You paid $195 for it, and you're selling it for 75 cents. Hallelujah. But none of that is going to satisfy you. Can you say Amen. Nothing. But God's purpose fills our lives. Purpose always produces a harvest at last and a joy that will not fade with time. Jesus came that we might live and fulfill our purpose. John 10.10, 10, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The abundant life is living to fulfill God's purpose through your life. So the question is, what's next? 
we have been touched by God to touch another for Him. This is what Jesus told the man. You can't come with me. Go tell somebody else what great things God has done for you. The results of his touch is that there's something in us that's not for us. God puts a deposit in you where you have his life, his purpose, his gift, his anointing in you and upon you. That's not just for you. The Holy Spirit works in us for regeneration. He's renewing us and conforming us to the image of Christ. But then he also works through us for the benefit of others. The gift of God in our lives is not for us, but to be given away into the life of another. And God works in us and through us to touch another. How many know that, that any time you give and you give in obedience to God and His Word, it never leaves your life? Anytime you give, God gives you everything in seed form. And when you sow a seed, the promise of the gospel and the principles of the Word of God is every seed sown comes back in multiplied form. Everything God asks you to do is a seed that becomes sown, and then it's multiplied back to you in multiplied, in, in increase. Amen? God works that way in our life. And so when we give away to others, it gets multiplied back to us. The best way to grow in Christ is try to give yourself away. Just try to give yourself away. I tell guys all the time, people say, well, I'm just not getting thing, anything out of my Bible. That's because you're reading to get, not to give. When you study to get, you'll get very little. When you study to have something to give, it'll change your devotional time. Say, Lord, give me something. Show me something. Bring truth so, so that I could share it with somebody else, so that I could give this to somebody else. Amen. They can have those notes. They're really old. Amen. So anyway, give me something that I can give to somebody else. Show me. And when you start living to give and allowing God to flow through you, you'll be amazed. This book will come alive at a dimension you have never known before. And then you'll say, you'll just walk up to somebody, man, are you in trouble today? I got something to give you. Amen. And you find yourself unloading on people. Hallelujah. It's awesome. Praise the Lord. That's what I do for you every week. Praise the Lord. Say, Pastor, you have so much to say. There's so much to say. Amen. Are you with me? So look at this. See, we're called to touch those he would touch. That's what we're called to do. Ask yourself the question, if Jesus was here, who would he touch? If you read Luke 4, 18, he'll tell you what the anointing is for. It's for everybody but himself. And see, the American gospel is, is we want God to do everything for us. The way to get an answer from God is start letting him do things through you. And you'll be amazed how he works in your life. See, what would he do? Jesus would still meet the woman at the well. He would still touch the unclean in the world's eyes. He would still be healing the sick and the lame. He would still be growing to the broken and the discarded. And all those oppressed and tormented by the devil. Jesus would be in their midst. And that's who he would touch. Everybody think the church does this. We think if we gather, Jesus will show up. We just want Jesus to come spend time with us. Jesus never hung out like that. Are you with me? And the only reason he was with his disciples, he pulled them aside, is he was always equipping them to send them. It was never just to keep them together, but he was always empowering them and equipping them. And the main reason he really had them, he says, I'm getting ready, guys, to turn this whole thing over to you. This is a startup kingdom. I'm giving you the ability to get in on the ground floor of this startup kingdom. You're going to be my 12 principles to launch this kingdom. It's going to go global, guys. It's bigger than you can imagine. And the Lord has invited us to be going to business, into kingdom business with Him. It's amazing. Can I just tell you, His business pays great dividends. Amen. Anytime, if you've been in any type of investment, you don't want just something that goes up and down with however the stock market goes up. You want a company that pays dividends. All right, that's never mind. Amen. So watch it. He will work through all of our lives today to touch those that he would touch and love those that he would love to help those that he would help. Matthew chapter 25, Jesus said, if you did it to the least of these, you've done it to me. He says, I was naked and you clothed me. I was hungry and you fed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. When did we ever do that for you, Lord? If you did it to the least of these, you've done it to me. 
Something amazing happens if we would allow our necks just to allow God to lead us to one of the least around us. To touch somebody, to show His love, His compassion, and His grace to them. You see, our greatest joy and fulfillment is found in life when we touch another with kingdom purpose. There's nothing better. I, I can think of several people it, it, just right now in our church and stuff. I love our young people. I love seeing where they are and watching what God's doing. I, I love yesterday watching Josh and Amy get married. And, 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 and I know people say, well, I, I would have gone if I don't know. How many know budgets have, uh, marriages have budgets today? costs a lot of money to invite people to a wedding and then to feed everybody in that. So people have, but, but, but they would love to have all of you there and everything. But it's so awesome watching these young couple, watching a young lady, watching young Amy. You know what she did? At the age of 28, in the middle of her ceremony, she took off her purity ring and gave it to her husband and said, I've kept myself for you for this day, Lord. <laughs> Woo! Come on, somebody give God a praise. Amen. That's amazing. You don't see that today. You don't see young women like that walking in the integrity of God and the anointing of God upon their life and a young couple walking in integrity together, being engaged for almost two years and keeping themselves and then giving themselves to each other. That is awesome. Amen. Man, I'm so proud of them. Hallelujah. Now watch this. So our greatest joy is found when we touch another with kingdom purpose. The greatest acts in life are connected to helping others. Acts of kindness, acts of benevolence, acts of strength and courage. I'm reminded as I was uh, going over this lesson this morning and, and, and preparing, I was reminded of the story I heard of Ron Luce and, uh, uh, with the Choir of the Fire Ministries. And they were at a conference in, in Montana. And they have a, a chartered plane there. And his daughter and some of the team were flying back down to Texas to their base. And on the way back down, the plane crashed. And a young man on the plane was, was a Marine veteran from the Iraq Wars and several tours there. And the plane crashed. And he's ejected from the plane and, and survived in that. And, but inside the plane, the plane is on fire. And he could hear Ron's daughter crying out in there and so because of his training and that his life was to give his life for the benefit of others to protect to preserve amen and to put your life on the line for others he goes back into the flames of that plane and grabs Ron's daughter and brings her out carries her to the road where they get rescued in the process he burned over 90% of his body is burned and he, and he expired he passes away from the severity of those burns and Amy is being treated in the hospital, and she had severe burns as well, but she survives. And when she wakes up from being treated, the first thing out of her mouth said, where's Austin? Austin, save me. Austin, save me. And there's something about, Jesus says, greater love has no one than when they lay their life down for their friend. And Jesus says, you are my friends. I'm laying my life down for you. So the question is, what's next? God wants us to lay our life down for somebody else, to be committed, to give of ourselves. Not maybe to go into a burning plane and rescue somebody, but somewhere we could give something of ourselves for the life of somebody else. Could you agree this morning? See, something in us is connected to the needs of others. What about when we're moved by the message? See, why does the missionary's message move us to a place where we want to give, to go, to do, to help, support a cause? People are moved every day by a cause to make a difference. We, we, we want to sense that somehow my life had impact and amounts to something more than just this. We all, all want to accomplish more with our lives. We want a life, our life to count for more. We have a sense on the inside of us that we too could make a difference. It's the drive and the call of purpose that is upon every one of our lives. God has purpose for every one of our lives. I told the congregation in first service, I'll tell you this, part of my responsibility and role as a pastor is to prepare you so that on the day that you stand before God, the Bible says that we will all, every believer, will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account for the works done in this body, how we've lived and served the Lord. We will all give an account. I have a responsibility as a pastor to make sure that when your life passes through that fire, Paul says that, that all this is going through the fire and the only thing that's going to remain is those things that were precious jewels and stone. Do you know what the jewels of heaven are? They are the souls that Jesus died for. 
And so God working through our life to reach people and bring people into the kingdom and, and being saved and restored into relationship with God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says this, that God was in Christ. God was in Christ in the world. Verses 18 through 21. God was in Christ. God the Father was in the Son in the world reconciling in Christ he was reconciling the world to himself and now he's committed unto you and to me the ministry of reconciliation how many know you, you could just raise both hands and say I'm not ashamed I know I'm born again just raise them up real high you know you're not ashamed I'm born again there you go I know I'm born again hallelujah what that means is that God is now in you because the only way you can be born again is for God to renew and breathe His Spirit on the inside of you. And if the Holy Spirit is in you, then God is in you. And if God is in you, then He is working through you to reconcile the world to Himself. Because once you're saved, you're baptized into the body of Christ. You are no longer an individual. You are a member of the body of Christ. And now God is still in Christ in the earth because He's in you and He's in the church and He's in the body and He's reconciled on the world to himself hallelujah but you are now his ambassador and he's given us this ministry of reconciliation and that's our next is to reach people and bring them into relationship purpose is connected to people anything God wants and calls you to do will be connected to people you know we have a crazy world today some of you don't raise your hand you might have crazy neighbors you might be a crazy neighbor. Amen. I was at people, I don't like my neighbors. I wonder how they like you. Amen. Anyway, <laughs> but we get that. People that, I, I, I get, I don't, buy I don't want any neighbors. I don't want anybody around me. Uh, I'm going to move to, to the Nigeria, wherever. I can buy the whole country. Hallelujah. Amen. Whatever. But in that, we want to get away from people. But God, the people, God. It's like people think, I'm going to go to heaven, and I get a private place off in the corner with nobody around me. Not going to happen. Amen. There's no gated communities in heaven. The whole place is behind the gate, and everybody's there together. Amen. And actually, I think we all live in one house. Because Jesus says, in my Father's house are lots of rooms. God only has one house. I'm going to be in the room next to you. Glory to God. You're in trouble. I snore loud. Ha! Amen. Anyway, how do we get off on this stuff? Amen. Anyway, so I don't want to be connected to people. It's people. That's it. People, people. I don't want to be connected to people. But people say, I don't want to be. You have to be connected to people. God is a people God. The only thing he's doing in the earth. God is only doing one thing. And if you want God to be involved in your life, you have to be involved in what He's doing. If not, I'm just a believer working out my life in my own strength. But when I say, God, I want to be connected and involved in what you're connected to, I want your purpose flowing through my life, then God works on your behalf and causes all things to work together for good, turn things around so that He can cause His purpose to flow through your life. Are you with me this morning? You see, the people around you, those in your life, will reveal the potential and purpose that God has for your life. Faithfully touching them will reveal two things, my current assignment and my life assignment. My current assignment is just daily obedience, where I'm at. Listen, you're at a well. When you go into your job and your workplace, wherever you go throughout life, that's the well of this world. And there are people there like the women who just need somebody to tell them they are not a lost cause. That they too can have forgiveness and have restoration. And if you'll do that, when you just be faithful in your daily obedience at the well, you'll touch that one person and that releases them, them to their purpose. And that's where you get to that next place. You find your life assignment is fulfilled in purpose. And that person goes out like the woman from Samaria there and she reaches a whole city. Because you were just faithful in your daily obedience. A whole city comes to cry. See, being faithful in my current assignment opens a door to complete and fulfill my life assignment. Write this down in your notes there on the bottom of the page. Never undervalue your now. 
Never undervalue your now, where you are right now, where God has you right now, the circumstances that you're in right now. There's immense value in the now. God is the God of now. So many times we're so caught up in our now, we want our now to change, we want everything to change. We miss what God would do right now. And if I'll be faithful right now, all the things that I hope that would come then, I open the door by being faithful in now to receive the promotion of then. Amen. But if I'm just looking for that, for that, as soon as I get that, people say all the time, well, you know what? Listen. I'm just too busy, I don't have enough time, I don't have enough money, and, 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 and I'm just so frustrated, and I have so much worry and everything else. I, I, and, until I can get all that together, uh, there's just no way I could find time for God. And the devil says, oh, that's it? All I got to do is keep you busy? All I got to do is convince you you don't have enough resources? And all I got to do is make you worry and you won't do anything for God? He said, that's super easy for me, I'm majoring that stuff. And so we've just told the devil, if he'll keep those things stirred up in our life, we will never do anything for God. That we have to fix all that first, and then we'll do something for God. What you have to say, I'm gonna, I don't care what's going on in my life, I'm going to live in my now. Now is when God wants to use me. This is the only day I have. This is the only opportunity. We just had Tuesday night, we had an accident right out here on Missouri Flat Road, and one of our high school students was killed in a tragic accident right here. Right by Walmart. Young senior in high school. Plays with my grandson Jake. Was going to be on the, 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 uh, the uh, football team with him. And now he passed away in a head-on collision. A T-bone, just a, a crazy accident. We were leaving discipleship, coming down the road. One of the worst accidents I've seen in a long time. Both those cars just completely just annihilated. And that. So there's a young boy that age. And yesterday I said to my grandson, I said, Jake, that's why, son. That's why we can never hesitate to share our faith with our friends. We can never be intimidated because we never know when. And so you have a moment right now to tell somebody, right now to share the gospel. You don't know that you have tomorrow. Our problem is, is we think we have all kinds of time. We think because we read a Bible that tells us that Jesus was crucified over 2,000 years ago, that we got another 2,000 years till he come. And what we've done is that we've allowed ourselves to let go of the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a reason that the Bible's written in such a way that it sounds like Jesus would come any day. Because if the Lord said, I'm not coming until 2028, we would have never preached the gospel anywhere. The only reason missionaries go and put their lives on the line, the only reason the gospel is ever preached, because we have no guarantee of tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. And the next after resurrection, the what's next for our life is that we have to be aware of that. We have to live today as if the Lord would return today. Amen. Every day is the day that the Lord could return. Amen. And that's why Paul preached. We live uh, under that, 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 that expectation and the possibility that Jesus could return at any moment on any day. At a time when no one is expecting him. Amen. So think about that. So never undervalue your now. Last page. Let's finish this up this morning. What about raising greatness? You see, our purpose is specific, but our potential is unlimited when we touch somebody else. Your purpose is specific, but your potential is unlimited when you just touch somebody else. Look at it like this. Jesus said, I need to go to Samaria. The only way I can go is through somebody who will represent me. Because if I go myself, they won't receive me. But they will receive you if you go for me. So he went to the well, and he brought restoration to a woman. And when she went in the city, they listened to her. And then a whole city came out to him. And they said, we don't believe. Now we believe on him because we heard his words personally. We, we started because of what you said, but now we believe because we've heard him for ourselves. But a whole, Jesus reached one woman who brought him a whole city. And if you, so many times we look at people and you don't see what's in them, but God knows what's in them. You never know if you reach one purpose. Your purpose was to reach that one person. 
but your potential through that became a whole city. When you reach that one, you actually reach the whole city through that one. Are you doing all right? So powerful. See, Tommy Barnett said this. This is so good. Jesus said in John 14, he says, He that believes on me and the works that I do shall he do also. And verse 14, if you ask the Father anything in my name, I will do it. So we reach people. We touch people. We can bring them to the Lord. Tommy Barnett says this. Every person has a particular purpose for their life. Look at me, every one of you. Every one of you has a particular purpose. Usually what we do, people will go through life, they'll try to figure it out themselves, decide it themselves, and then we make a mess of it. We think, well, I think I'll try Jesus. And then we get saved, and we think, well, I'll, I'll work this Jesus thing out for myself. And then we start working out this whole thing instead of just saying, God, I want to find out what you are. Whatever you have for me to do, I'll do it. Here I am. I'm surrendered. Just lead me, Lord. Amen? So we live there. Amazing things happen. But listen to what it says. Every life has defining moments and seasons. But we will never know what our time of purpose was until we get to heaven. So keep touching one more. One more. And let me tell you, God's purpose, everybody look up here just for a moment. And I mean this with all sincerity of your heart, of my heart. God's purpose for you is greater than you just getting your family saved. God's already pro- God already promised your family to you. Accept the promise. Just begin to think. Thank you, Lord. You said my whole household be saved. Done. Thank you, Lord. My family is saved. I'm not moved by. I walk by faith and not by. You don't know it yet, you rascal. You're saved whether you like it or not. You are God's covenant promise to me. I'm in covenant with God. And his covenant promise says that if I will live for him, that my house will be saved. So my responsibility is to live, my responsibility is to live for God, to obey God, to fulfill his purpose in my life. And my family will be saved. God will move heaven and earth to get them. He'll move circumstances around. My son Sean, you hear his testament, got shot in the face. Amen. He could have got saved much earlier. But through that all, he gets shot and then comes to Christ. And had opportunities growing up all the way through life to say yes to God. But you know why the devil couldn't kill him? Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. Watch this. So living, you never know what your purpose is. D.L. Moody said this, I'm just one, and I cannot do it all, but I can do what one can do. Come on, each of us can do what one can do. Amen? Think about it. Raising greatness is no harder than reaching beyond ourselves to touch a need in someone else's life. Rendering aid and assistance to empower them to reach their potential. What do you do? Find a heart, hurt, start a ministry, to meet it and heal it. Just start reaching people. Start reaching broken people, hurting people. See, I'm convinced the best way up and out of a situation is to give your way out. Give your way out. Give your way out. Give of yourself. Quit trying to fix everything. Get around. Just start giving your way out. Give of your time. Give of your resources. People say that I would worship God with my finances as soon as I get some. The best time to worship God with your finances is when you have none. Because what you need God to do is bless what you have. You need the increase of God. Because pretty soon you'll get some more and you'll say, well, that's not enough yet. That's not enough yet. That is enough, not enough yet. Just start, just start giving your way about it. I don't have enough time. I, I don't have enough time to do it. Then sow some time. Everything is in seed form. Sow time and you'll reap time. Sow finances, you'll reap finance. Sow love, you'll reap love. Are you listening to me? Give your way out of that circumstance. Motivation needs to be to touch another. This is my motivation. How do I live? What, what, what keeps me energized? Because a better man than me died to save me. A better man than me died to save me. How can I not live for something bigger than myself? And for more than just myself. My life, my faith has to be bigger than just myself. 
and for myself. It has to be connected to people. If the worship team will come back, please. Are you doing all right? Let me finish this. I believe this. Many can disagree, but I believe this myself. I believe that many will never show up on the radar of purpose in life because they will not show up and be faithful in their current assignment. I have to show up where I'm at right now. I've met over the years, pastoring almost 40 years now, I've met so many young, especially young guys, want to have a call for ministry, have a call for ministry, and they're running, chasing ministry, chasing ministry, chasing ministry, and, and they're chasing something out there, and they won't even show up right now. And the way I get to there is now. Right here, I, I do right here. I'm faithful right now. I grow right now. I develop right now. And as I'm faithful in the now, it prepares me for what God has out front. Everything in living for God, one guy said, you have to live long enough to be able to look backwards. You have to serve God long enough, and when you get there, it's amazing. Find, find you some retired minister someplace. Find, find you some, some older senior season. Say, say, how have you made it so long? How have your marriage lasted so long? And the only way you can give advice is when you can look back. And then you can see the hand of God, and you just stayed faithful in every now. It's because what you were doing in the now of every day, being faithful to your assignment in the now of every day, led to the promotion of where you're at. Are you doing all right? Amen. So think about it. Let me ask you this. How many of you are here today because of the touch of another in your life? You're saved. You came to Christ because of the touch of somebody else. A friend invited you. A friend witnessed you. Somebody reached out to you. Think about it. It was a faithful friend who prayed for you and witnessed to you. A loving parent that would not give up on you in prayer. Even a stranger that God sent as a laborer into the harvest field to tell you one more time of his love. But what if all God asked us to do was just touch one person that would be great? And I shared this a few years ago, and, and uh, I mean uh, several times, but it happened back in the, in the, in the mid-90s, and uh, we moved into this building, in this complex in 94, and before Bible school one night, I was walking on that back row where the camera is back there, and I was walking up and down that back row, and I was just praying before my discipleship class, teaching on the cost of discipleship class, and this is what the Spirit of God spoke into my heart. He said, what if I never asked you to be great? What if all I asked you to do was raise greatness? He said, I appeared to Joseph, and I did not ask Joseph to be great. I asked Joseph to do one thing. I asked him to raise my son. I asked Joseph to raise greatness. And Joseph agreed to be. And and, and in my book, I think Joseph is one of the greatest unsung heroes of the Bible. Because you don't hear about him at all after the age of Jesus turning 12. And being in the temple. You never hear about Joseph again. And theologians say, oh, something happened, whatever. I don't think so. But here is just a man who was agreed to be faithful, to adopt God's son at his own, to cover Mary and, and, and cover her shame. I mean, what he did was unheard of in that day. And he did it and was obedient to God. And he chose to raise greatness. And even though he's not even named, he was faithful to God. Are you listening to me? What if all God asked you to do was raise greatness? The only way to do that, though, you have to show up. You have to show up in that moment. I look at young men like Eli, and I think, God, you could raise him to greatness. Look at all the young men come through our church. God, you could raise them to greatness. People say, well, Pastor, why are we buying a building? Why, 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 do we, why do we need a bigger sanctuary? Why are we going to remodel that over there? Because when I'm done, I want to pass the baton to the next generation. I want to equip them. I want to enable them to go farther than I've ever gone. If I'm alive, there's something in me, and I want to give to position the next generation. If the Lord tarries, I want them to take this thing to have greatness. I want to raise greatness. I don't just want to be great. I want to raise up great. Could you come on, give the Lord a good praise. That's what he has for your life. You say, why do you give? Why would you sacrifice? Why do you do that? Because you never know that next person who has that on the inside of them. God doesn't show us the future. He just shows us the now. He says, let me use you right now. Stand to your feet with me this morning.
I want you to just bow your heads for just a moment. I'm going to ask you three questions. First of all, why did God touch you? Why has God touched your life? Sometimes you need that God. Why out of everybody that needs to be saved? God, you've saved me. You've reached me. Why have you touched my life? Why is your hand upon my life? That's what Paul said. Paul said, I understand that Jesus has apprehended me. I want to know why. He lived pursuing to understand why Christ had laid hold of him. And then ask yourself this. What is in you that's not for you but for another? What has God put in you that's not for you? It's for somebody else. And then thirdly, What will be your defining moment? What will be your defining moment? We don't know. We just have to live to see it come to pass. God will show it to us. But we have to live to see it come to pass. While your heads are bowed, let me ask you this. What if you lived we all set a goal for this to touch just one more person to define our lives by those that we touch for him with his love forgiveness and restoration Lord let my life be defined by those that I've touched for you I just want to touch one more Lord lead me just to touch one more Like Tommy Barnett said, I don't know. We won't find out. So I'm just going to live to reach just one more. So the next for us, what's next? Just reach one more. Let God touch one more through you. While your head's been bowed there, I ask you this question. Just take just 30 seconds. Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Let the Holy Spirit ask him. What are you saying to me? What am I supposed to do with what I've heard this morning? Lord, I don't just want to hear your words. Don't just be hearers, but be doers of what I've heard. Ask the Lord, how would you have me respond? What's my next? What's my next? How am I supposed to act in this now? Just take 30 seconds.